Good afternoon and welcome to the 330 Sports Show. My name is Justin Coffin. I'm here with Joe Danier. It is election day, which is Tuesday, November 7th, 2023. Did you vote? I did. Yeah. I um I'm gonna as soon as I leave here, I'm gonna go vote. So uh why don't you tell us all the political issues you vote? I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Why don't you tell us exactly your party line stance on everything? <laughs> the only thing um that I will say voting wise is now that we are on standard time, whoever cannot get that passed through Congress is they are complete idiots because this is not a party line issue. This is not a Republican Democrat. This is a common sense, you know, like mental health, sunshine, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's going to be what? It's November 7th. It's going to be dark by like 515 today. So, well, And, and I'm going to make on. this statistic up at like yeah. 5% of people die because of daylight savings time. Yeah. It, back it's clock. probably like 0.5% though. There's probably like a... No, Let's probably, make it a little more dramatic. That's probably I mean, still too high. <laughs> just mass die-offs because of the stresses of a time. Honestly though, and like... Well, I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Why not? So yeah, go for it. You do that and... um. While you're doing that, I'll uh, tell you what's going to be on our normal uh, um, docket here today. So we are going to talk Cleveland Browns. We're going to start off with that here in just a minute. So the Browns defense was completely dominant, uh, shutting out the Arizona Cardinals this weekend. We kind of knew that was coming, but this was their first shutout in 16 years. We'll talk about that soon. So I I got an answer. Go ahead. ahead. I have to do more math, but I'm going to give you the first leg of the math. It says, according to... This report, a study from the American uh, College of Cardiology, showed a 24% increase in heart attacks on the Monday after daylight savings time. So a 24% increase. I'm going to have to figure out what the normal number is, and we'll see what the jump would be. I bet most of those people are parents, too, of little kids that (laughs) that are up at 4 a.m. or not going to bed until whenever. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, we could all relate to that. Have you ever worked a job where you worked during a time change? And I'm kind of curious is that they just extend your time or never you get to go home early, never like that Sunday after I never worked like a, like a weekend job, except for one time I was like a, like a bar back in Columbus, uh, one of the bars and I would be out till 2 AM. So then I kind of liked it. Cause then I was a dege- more of a degenerate. Then I got mm. a, an extra hour of sleep, but, but then you were, I, I could sleep till 11 AM or, or whatever anyway, but now I'm, I'm up, you know, seven is sleeping in for me mm-hmm. usually. And, you know, so it is what it is. Well, and if you always, everybody wondered like where they're, you know, dads that get to a certain age and they, just you know uh they brag about mm-hmm. how early they wake up and they try to beat everybody to wake up this is where the origin of that i i am and i will gladly let anyone win that <laughs> competition um you know i've been up early you know before from coaching from work whatever it might be but uh it's it's really not a desire of mine to get up super super early but if you got to you got to it's kind of part of the deal but um unnecessary wake up calls like before i think there's a mental hurdle uh when i see a five on the clock versus a six if there's a six on the clock 6 a.m whatever i can handle it but when there's that five it's like that mental uh come on i want to still be sleeping and you know when you wake up in the middle of night maybe you know as you get older anyone younger watching you got to pee sometimes when you wake 
right? in the middle of the night and you look at the clock and it's like two or something. It's like, oh, nice. I can go back to sleep for a couple hours. But if you wake up at like 530, it's like, ugh, you know, or six, it's like, damn, I now I'm up, you know, yeah. for the day. So it is. What it and is. I, I think I think I did math wrong in my head and I think I broke my brain this week. So when I, I usually wake up at 530, that's mm -hmm. my regular time. And I had it in my head that now 5.30 or 4.30 was now 5.30 or whatever. And I thought, oh, now I'm going to wake up at 4.30. Uh, well, then I started waking up at 4.30 when I'm thinking the actual time is like 6.30 Yeah, now, you reversed right? that. I did, but then I made my brain start waking up an hour earlier than I typically did for no good reason. Yeah, that's... That's not good. No. That's not good for anybody. No, no, <laughs> it doesn't work out mathematically. I mean, I guess you can be more productive and get shit done, but I don't know. There's I don't nothing like it. going yeah, in at 4.30, no, no. not even me. Well, and, and some of the most productive people are like, like, you know, extreme are, you know, um, have sleep, you know, they can't sleep. What's that called? Um, uh, whatever you know what you know what i'm talking insomnia yeah when they have insomnia they get like some of their best work done but i'd rather function normally as a human being and not be a, a robot throughout the day so or as sometimes i'm still drinking my coffee and waking up and i'll watch our friend lisa resnick post something that she just did yeah, a her, run, her run and i'll be like run, yeah. what the frick how do you do that yeah yeah some people are are built differently right. there there's other times too when you know like uh you know those people might be in bed by eight o'clock too at night and not, might not be as some people are productive in the evening. Some people are productive in the morning. I used to say too, it's like, um, you know, in the off season for like basketball and stuff, it's like, you know, get your work in, whether it's an hour or two hours a, a day in the summer. It's like, it doesn't matter if that work is 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's like, as long as you're getting that hour in or two hours in every day, it's like you're getting it done. So you know, teach their own, uh, unless it's a, a scheduled practice, your ass better be there on time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, all right. So Browns, we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Buckeyes, we'll talk about, uh, YSU Penguins, uh, both football and basketball. Uh, we'll do a little weekend recap. We'll talk a little Cavs, little Cleveland Guardians. They finally hired a new manager, by the way, whose name is Vote, V-O-G-T, but kind of appropriate uh, on, election on election day here yeah. so um so we'll get into that in just a minute let's have a word from our sponsors real quick halloween is scary but not as scary as no heat in the winter call mighty mike today not tomorrow for fall maintenance service 330-207-7070 or visit mightymikehvac.com this program proudly supported and brought to you by eric cromer cross-country mortgage a wiser way to mortgage this program proudly supported and brought to you by the Youngstown Drip IV Bar, helping the Mahoning Valley reach its wellness goal. This program proudly supported and brought to you by Youngstown Computer, the Valley's IT company. We're back. So um, let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. Uh, big win over the Cardinals this weekend, 27 nothing. Um your, your takeaways from the game. Man, I had so much reservations going into this. And really? I, I, yeah, Against the I Cardinals? Did. I did. No Josh Dobbs. No Josh. I was disappointed. <laughs> I didn't get to see my boy. That was crazy. But anyway, didn't he end up in Minnesota or something? Yeah, and yeah. I'll, we'll talk about him okay. in a little bit. All right. 
And so my reservations were that I thought that they were forcing the whole Watson thing for the sake of what the media was doing to him. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I bet you he's still not ready and he's going to come out there. They're going to force it too soon mm -hmm. and then we're going to lose him for the rest of the season. I was terrified that something stupid was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I don't, I don't know. You know how sometimes you, you, you really value something and you put it on a shelf and no one touches it and stuff like that. It's kind of like I feel like that's how it is with him lately, but it's like this is football. Like, there's you're gonna get hit, and he actually took a big hit in this Two game. Two of them, he got yeah. hit blasted and twice. Like, one time was right on the shoulder. Yeah. It looked like, but he seemed to bounce, bounce back, and find he did start slow. He did start, and that accuracy shit that's got to stop. Yeah, that really the, does. He was very accurate on the deep balls. It seemed like the uh, the short to like intermediate stuff is where he kind of struggled the most. So mm -hmm. um, any other thoughts well, from and, this game? And I thought the Cardinals, it represented if you were going to need a warm-up game where you needed to get things, that was the one to do it. That's yeah. like a practice. That's a great, right? yeah. But if you needed another week to heal, I think that our backup quarterback could have handled that you know, game without having sure. a loss. So being that he played that, I think mm -hmm. he's back for the duration of the season. I, I think that's a really good point. I, I like the idea of... Um, a warm-up game for Watson. You're going into the Ravens and then the Steelers. So there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of big-time games coming up here where the Browns need to, I said, over the, the Cardinals, um, Ravens, Steelers, and then I believe it's the Broncos. They needed to go 2-2 two and two there. So we already want to know. So we got to obviously win one of these next three. But if we now, let's get greedy again. If we can go 2-2 two and two here or 2-1 and one here, then I think even better. So I'm going to go over just some of my game notes, game balls, whatever you want to say from this game. So the entire Cleveland defense first shut out since 2007. You might not remember the exact day, but you will remember the game. That was the uh, blizzard game against the Buffalo Bills when Phil Dawson hit like a crazy field goal, but they shut out the Buffalo Bills that day. Uh, 58 total yards allowed by the defense seven sacks, three takeaways. Also in this game, Amari Cooper, five receptions, 139 yards. He continues to be a really great go-to target for whatever quarterback is in there. Uh, also had a touchdown and almost 28 yards per reception. Deshaun Watson in the game, 19 of 30, 219 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Also had three carries for 22 yards. Another area where I thought this guy is kind of turning into a weapon for us, the Browns did punt the ball seven times, but Corey Bohorquez is a kind of a weapon now for the Cleveland Browns. He had seven punts totaling 410 yards, which is almost 60-yard average. Uh, he had a 70-yard long and two of those inside the 20, and one of those, I believe, was inside the, the two-yard line. Um, so great job there. The unfortunate part of this game, injuries are still starting, are still happening. They're starting to mount a little bit. Um, you know, you had Jed Wills go down in this game. I know he's been um, hot and cold this year, but, uh, but you know, overall, um, guys stepped up and are, are playing pretty good football. This was a get-right game for the Browns. Now, the Cardinals were starting a rookie quarterback who had never played very similar to the situation the Browns were in against the Ravens, uh, you know, 
six, seven weeks ago. Uh, so now the Browns go in pretty good uh, health on the, the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, they're a little bit banged up, but uh, Watson is back. Most of your weapons are back. Um, obviously, no Nick Chubb. And you are missing your two left, um, two starting tackles. However, Dewan Jones has really stepped up there. So uh, James Hudson's got to do a good job and, and some others. So um, this division is pretty, <laughs> pretty scary. So you look at the records of all four teams in this division. Ravens, uh, every team would be in the playoffs right now. Ravens seven and two, Steelers five and three, Browns five and three, Bengals five and three. Bengals have won four in a row. They host the Texans and they're a six point favorite coming up this weekend. The Ravens are a six point favorite right now over the Browns. The Steelers are a slight favorite over the Packers. And uh, the Baltimore Ravens, obviously, as I said, host the Browns this coming weekend. So AFC North, pretty tough. Pretty, pretty, pretty tough, as All Larry David would say. Spots right now, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. So, yeah, you would have the Ravens, I think, in the number two spot, and then all the rest of the teams would be. I think it would be five, six, seven. Steelers, Browns. Actually, I, th I think I have a graphic on that a little bit later. But uh, yeah, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, based on like the way the games have played out so far this year. So crazy stuff, crazy stuff. So, looking at the schedule. Coming up, um, Kevin Stefanski also, we don't give him enough credit. He is really good after a loss. Obviously, you don't want to lose too many games, but when they do need to bounce back, he he answers the call. So um, the Browns sitting at five and three, and I think you would say they've played a pretty tough part of their schedule. The 49ers, Ravens, Bengals already, the, the um Seahawks in there. Those are all tough games. Uh, so they are through a, a big, tough portion of their schedule. Now they got two big ones coming up. And I think you got to split these. So I've already said if we can go, uh, we have to go one and two over the next three. But uh, if we can even uh, go two and one, that much better. So um, what what are your thoughts, Joe, on Kevin Stefanski's job? for the Browns this year. What do you think? You know, I love the fact that on that offense, they they play those gadget plays. Like mm -hmm. one of my favorite things that make a, a defense unsure is when you start doing crazy stuff. Yeah. When it gets to be unpredictable. Um, I think some weird calls that don't pan out. I mean, I, I'm torn because if they would have worked out, I've been like, yes, yeah, Stefanski, right? Yeah, Going right, fourth right. down at the 40 yard line. And sometimes when he'll go into this back-to-back -back passing place, when the mm -hmm. run is what, you know, we're getting five yards to carry and we go into a passing bench for some reason. I'm like, yeah. what is he thinking? What, mm -hmm. what did he see that I didn't see? Mm -hmm. Overall, I give him a B plus. Yeah. I, I think he's actually doing a really good job. And I think people have been kind of on his ass a little bit this year, especially I get the one third and three call at Seattle. You know, you, you probably want to run the ball there, but you know, it is what it is. He was going, I think, for the jug jugular and going for the win, you know, and and they didn't get it. You know, you you expect your defense to to win it for you there. They don't. And it is what it is. Hindsight now, is 2020. Now, with, with Watson in there, do you think there's ever a time where if Stavansky calls in a play and he sees a read on the defense that he has some room to not follow that offensive play, do you think it can take some you liberties? Mean Deshaun? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say he's he's probably got enough 
knowledge of the system where he can audible out of that, where he can say, uh, you know, I don't like this play call. Let's check to a pass. Let's check to a run, whatever it might be. Now, when you got more and more offensive linemen that might be new to the system or be like replacement type guys on the line, you might not want to change too many calls and you don't have Nick Chubb back there to kind of bail you out, bail you out. Yeah. As much. So, um, you know, but Ford's coming along. Yeah. How do you like those dump off passes? Yeah. I mean, get him out of a bad position. I love that. I like, I mean, Hunt's been playing well. Pierre strong looks pretty good. So, you know, you got, you don't have Nick Chubb who was the best running back in the league. We all, we all know that he wasn't the greatest pass catcher, but he was the best runner in the league. No doubt. Hands down. But, um, I think the combination of all three of these guys aren't the sum total of Nick Chubb, but they're, they're, they're pretty close to this. The parts, uh, these three parts make up what a Nick Chubb can give you. Um, are they the same same running team? No, but they're still running the ball at a very, very solid clip. I think they're number three overall in run game, maybe fourth at worst. So um, the, I think the Browns overall are doing a pretty good job on the run game. And, you know, five and three, I think if you told us that uh, at the beginning of the season, we'd probably be okay with that, uh, knowing what the schedule looks like in a couple weeks. Yeah, so. and, and I feel like we got some of our – um, injuries are big injuries, like our key player injuries out of the way early in the season. Yeah. I have a feeling that as we heal up and then some of those longer term injuries on other teams, I think that's going to be an advantage. Well, and I keep thinking about this from the Ravens. I do not wish injury on anyone. Um, however, Lamar Jackson has not played in the month of December, like the last two years yeah. We're we're inching towards December uh, he's playing at an MVP level right now, but now's about that time of year when he, he starts kind of like breaking down a little bit. You're almost at the halfway point of the season. So it'll be interesting if he stays healthy, the Ravens are going to probably be the one or two seed. If he gets hurt, you know, the Ravens were eight and three last year and missed the playoffs. So uh, he is the engine that makes that team go. And we'll yeah. talk more about, uh, the Ravens on Thursday, but uh, this is a big game coming up for the Browns this week. Big, right. big game. And, and both of us are, we're big fans of uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. So, so how oh, that hits right. your heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I wasn't like upset about it. Like if they would have uh, traded like Cooper or, you know, or, or um, Nick Chubb, or, you know, like one of the main guys. However, um, where I was like unsure about it was you get a six round pick back for him in like 2025. So that pick doesn't even come for two years. And I know that's what you, he was a six round pick, you know, like four years ago, but he was still a weapon on this team. And then you got David Bell that got banged up a little bit, didn't even play last week. So you got to bring guys like Cedric Tillman along, maybe see if they're ready. Um, so I didn't love it from like losing a weapon sort of perspective. So um, I'm kind of happy for him in the sense of he's going to go to the Lions now. That's where he's from. He's from Detroit. Um, and hopefully it works out for him well. Maybe maybe we'll see him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> and But you contrast with, with how many years we held on to Anthony Swartz and mm -hmm. he actually had problems offensively. Yeah. And we kind of gave him some chances. 
I don't think DPJ ever made mistakes and he was never a liability to the yeah. team and just off him so quickly. I thought it was a little weird. We should play that uh, Sarah McLaughlin song. I will remember you and like <laughs> over uh, some uh, a montage of highlights, but a couple like memories I, I do have he, like two plays stand out for me. One was that game where the Browns in the 2020 season with, with Baker with um, you know, a few others, they had that comeback at Cincinnati he actually made his first. Do you know who his first uh, reception in the NFL was from? This is a random one. Jarvis Landry. Seriously. So on a like a wide receiver pass. So his first catch was in that game. And then later in that game, he made a game winning touchdown pass to, um, you know, secure that comeback. And then last year, he had that nice like punt return for a touchdown um, against Houston. So he's had some really nice moments in a Browns uniform, but he's not. I think. He was in a contract year. The Browns probably weren't going to pay him next year. So it's like you trade eight games of him away for, you know, a future draft pick. Right. So I don't know. The analytics guys know more than I do, but. And wide receivers are really cheap in, in this market right it, now. So it, especially young ones, yeah. for sure. Young yeah. ones and unproven ones. But I think he would have probably ended up costing you like 10 million a year based on his previous production. And the Browns can pay Cedric Tillman, you know, pennies on that for the next three years. And he, I think, has the higher ceiling. So so we'll see on that. So um, let's go to I want to give like one thought on each game uh, this weekend. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of give you uh, a little highlight on that. So here's one thought from each weekend. First of all, the Steelers are the complete luckiest team in the NFL. They are the luckiest team in the NFL. They win Thursday night over the Titans. The Steelers have been, listen to this, five, the Steelers are five and three, right? They have been outgained in every game this season, every game. They've also trailed in the fourth quarter of every game this season. That is insane. Um, Let's next go to Dolphins and Chiefs. This game was in Germany. Um, Chiefs led this game 21-0. Uh, the Dolphins, I believe, are 6-0 versus under 500 teams and 0-3 against teams over 500. So could be a little bit of fraudulent teams there. Um, the Vikings. Now, I want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings because that is where your guy Josh Dobbs got traded. Their <laughs> quarterback, because they lost Kirk Cousins for the year last year, last week so they trade for josh dobbs they start this other guy goes into concussion protocol josh dobbs has to go in the game has to doesn't know the playbook doesn't even know the players but he's the backup quarterback for that game you're like oh all right this guy can get us through one week and then we'll catch dobbs up no he gets thrown in has to learn names of the players routes all this stuff they're literally communicating it to him as the play's going and he, he leads them to a victory. So unbelievable stuff. Josh there. effing dog. That's your, that's your guy. And congratulations on a great win. Uh, Saints bears, kind of a boring game. Saints win that one Packers, not a good team, but beat up a even worse team in the Rams, uh, especially without Matt Stafford Patriots stink. That's all I'll say. Commanders trade away their two best defensive players and still get the win there. Uh, Raven. <laughs> Ravens are just destroying teams. I mean, look at that 37 3 against and the remember Seahawks. Remember what the Seahawks did in the game with the Browns. They were mm -hmm. not a slouch by any means. No, no, they're not a bad team. And they're they're gonna be a playoff team in the NFC. The 
Texans, CJ Stroud versus uh, the Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield lead them, led them to what we, they thought was going to be a game-winning touchdown drive. Uh, no, CJ Stroud sets the rookie record, like 470 yards, five touchdowns. Looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the league through like nine games. I saw a stat. He already has more career touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett in like 13 less games. He also set the um, highest rating for a rookie quarterback in the history of the NFL. Just amazing stuff um, by the Ohio State rookie there. So I was going to ask you what school he went to. I yeah, to I was going to say, though, too, it's like, you know, I, I've heard Ohio State quarterbacks don't do anything in the NFL. Right, so, of you know, but, you know, we'll see. Although I will <laughs> tell you, Baker did what he was supposed to do as a quarterback. This is not on Baker. Ba Mayfield. Baker played a good game. Yes, he, he did. did. And did you see a lot of people were mad because that line was two and a half. <laughs> a lot of people were mad because that line was two and a half. But Houston lost their kicker early in that game. He got injured. They actually had to bring in their backup running back to kick a game-tying field goal. And then they thought, well, instead of lining up for the extra point after that touchdown, they took a knee instead of, because, you know, if let's just say they throw a pick or fumble and it's returned, then the game's tied uh, or a field goal's blocked or whatever. Um, so they just took a knee. And a lot of gambling people were either <laughs> happy or really uh, pissed about that. Yeah. So, but... With no kicker, what do you well, want to do? Well, even if you did have a kicker, why wouldn't that be the the power play anyhow? If you if you're gonna kill the rest of the yeah, time on the clock, I think there was one second yeah. on the clock. So I mean, why would you? That, why would even a kicker risk it? Well, yeah, because that is an untimed down. So they still would have had to kick off, but literally you can't run another play if the ball's touched after that on the kickoff. Yeah. So you just squib it and the game's over. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. Um, the next game, Colts Panthers. Bryce Young, the number one pick in this draft, is making you know them maybe rethink that and say, what would we do uh, if we had that pick again with C.J. Stroud? The Raiders, who fired their uh, head coach, Josh McDaniel, who is from Canton, Ohio, um, just go and beat up the Giants. So uh, I have a theory of any time a team fires their head coach, take them, take them. Uh, with the points that week, the next week. So whoever the next coach that gets fired, take that, take that team to win the following week. Okay. Just, you know, depending on the line, um, Cowboys had it inside the Eagles 10 yard line with like, uh, less than a minute to go. They do not win. The Bengals have won four in a row. And then the chargers beat up the jets, even though the chargers didn't look good, but the jets look even worse. So that is a look around the NFL this past weekend. Um, the jets are so bad, man. They, you know, <laughs> and I, I feel bad for Aaron Rodgers, uh, but that offense is, is inept and they have Garrett Wilson. Who's a stud. They got Brees halls, good running back. Um, they have some good players, but they, they just look bad. Yeah. So I, I have think, a conspiracy theory for the police. Uh, you know, Gary V Gary V Gary Werner he, he opened that wine online wine story as a oh. motivational speaker. You know, heard, heard of him? I, I, oh, I, you gotta I, look. I feel like I have. All right. So this but... guy, uh, super successful business yeah. guy. Okay. He put out there about 10 years ago that he wanted to buy the jets. Okay. Right? And they were too expensive over, you know, over um, inflated value. Mm -hmm. And I think that he's methodically debasing the jets so he can buy them at a value down the road. You know who owns the jets though, right? Yeah the owners of Johnson and Johnson. That's gonna be so <laughs> that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. And the NFL, you own a team. It's like printing money. So, and isn't it ironic? 
Johnson and Johnson's the company that produces the Pfizer vaccine mm. and who's their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> oh, who's totally perfect. opposed to it. So, that's you know, it, it all, it, well, maybe the Jets will be such a great so script. bad one day that Gary V will be like, I'll take them off your hands. Yeah. Hey, Free of charge, baby. Five, five billion cut and clean. That's dry. it. We're, we're good. Okay. All right. So, um, let's take a look at the, uh, playoff standings as if they were today. So you got the um, Chiefs and Ravens seven and two Jacksonville coming off a bye six and two Dolphins six and three Steelers five Browns six Bengals seven. So all AFC North teams in the playoffs. If it were to start today outside looking in the bills. So to, to me, this is basically, I think we can probably, I don't want to cross any teams off yet, but I think the Bills and the Chargers, I, I still don't quite believe in the Houston Texans enough to make the playoffs this year, but I I think the Bills are playing some bad football right now, but they're up and down. They've also destroyed the, the Dolphins, so they're a mysterious team. The Chargers are... I don't know what they are. They're they're sometimes a great team, sometimes a terrible team, uh, and often in the middle, so... Um, I don't know how this is going to go the rest of the year, but I don't, um, I don't know. So looking at those standings, who do you think is going to be out that's in now? And who do you think is uh, out now and will be in? All right. I think the Steelers are out of there. I think where they at, where they're at now has been a struggle. Yes. And they have not earned into a lot of those games. Yeah. So I think they're out. And I think, I'm going to go, I think Buffalo showed early on that they have some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think they're in. Okay. Yeah. I, I really don't disagree with that at all. Um, the Steelers are, it's an amazing accomplishment that they are, they are five and three right yeah, now. Absolutely. An unbelievable accomplishment that they are, have the record they do. And that is a credit to their coaches. Um, I know Steeler fans want to fire Matt Canada. <laughs> I know uh, Mike Tomlin uh, sometimes gets some heat, but I think he's the best coach in the NFL. I, I really do. I, th I think he is, or may maybe in the sense of best leader in the NFL. I'll put it like that. So um, here's my look at top five well, can and I top bottom. One more thing? Please do. All right. So going back to, Miami is really the only one where we started talking at the beginning of the season and you have no idea which Miami is going to show up yeah. in on the field. So this early on before the playoffs would, you know, before we have the record mm -hmm. to know who's going to place here, Miami would be that second one behind the Steelers. I think the Steelers is more garbage than their, their record shows. And I think the Miami has the biggest chance of melting down. I, I agree too, because if Miami has to play in some cold weather games too. They are a team that's built 100% on the pass. They have a decent run game that they can make. Actually, they have a good run game. I will say that. But their run game is totally uh, predicated on their pass game. Yeah. And if Tua is not um, protected and you know the, we the weather gets colder, I don't think that passing game is easily available. And then you know, you can take away that run game. So it's kind of one side, you know, helps the other there. So I don't know. Um, I, I like what you said, though. I think the Steelers and Bills might be a good flip-flop there. So here's a look. This is, these are who I have. As, I have the Ravens right now as the best team in the NFL. Um, 
a few weeks ago, I had the 49ers there, though, and we knocked them off. So maybe uh can do the same for the Ravens. But Ravens, Chiefs, Eagles. Eagles are a very have a great record, but not a they, they've kind of like been a weird team this whole year. Uh, the Dolphins, I still have up there. Um, and then the Lions I have up there, which is a little bit of a surprise. But I like the way uh, Detroit has played this year. Then the bottom five, I have the New York Giants right now. They are playing a guy right now at quarterback that was the same name as uh, Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas, uh, Tommy DeVito. So that's the best. <laughs> he's uh, probably working on his shine box and uh, <laughs> throwing some passes uh, uh, to, to get ready for this coming week. I think they got the bills this week. So that might be a, a, a mess. So um, what, what do you think in, as far as Philadelphia and Kansas city, do you think they, we've just got their number. They've been on the field long chance. enough that we figured out their offense and they, they're disadvantaged because nothing's really changed. Well, I think the chiefs have the best quarterback and, Travis Kelsey is probably the best, one of the top three best players in the NFL that's not a quarterback on the offensive side of the ball. So they have those two guys, but if you can slow him down, the Chiefs don't have like a great running game and they don't have like the other weapons that scare you. Um, the Eagles, I think the Eagles are really good, um, but they're giving up a lot of points and their offense quite isn't quite clicking. So I, I don't know. I mean, they put up a bunch of points against the Cowboys this week. So it's like some weeks it's there and some weeks it's not. They're kind of a mystery team, a mixed yeah. bag. So I don't know. I don't know. So, um, but it would not surprise me to see them in the Super Bowl again this year, you know? So that's, they are good. They, they are solid. They are very, very good. So um, those are the top five and top, bo top um, bottom five teams. The, the scary thing for Carolina they do not have their own pick this year. It will go to the Chicago Bears in the draft. So Chicago could have two of the top three, four, five picks in the draft this year. Giants are bad. Cardinals, we just saw what they are. Um, they're not very good. Um, I think they're a scrappy team, but they're just they were playing above water too. And without a, a veteran quarterback, now they do get Kyler Murray back, but we'll we'll see what happens there. Bears not very good uh in the patriots they stink mm. i think the patriots probably should be a little bit lower on this list but that's where they're at so um that's a look at that uh we're going to transition we're going to go real quick through uh some college football stuff here but uh ohio state rutgers joe <laughs> was beating ohio state at halftime nine to seven nine to seven um rutgers is not a bad team though they are six and three they have a really good defense but it's still Rutgers. Ohio State came out and just, you know, beat them up in the second half. Um, took a pick six, uh, like a 95-yard pick six to uh, to flip that game. But Marvin Harrison Jr. only had four catches for 25 yards, but two of those catches were touchdowns. Uh, Travion Henderson, their elite running back, 208 yards total offense. Ryan Day moves to 54 and six overall and 37 and two in the Big Ten all while leading a RICO investigation against Michigan. You know that, right? Mm -hmm. he, he was the one that, like, he's leading that federal investigation against Michigan, which at least all Michigan fans seem to think so. Right. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty, you know, leading up a racketeering charge and, you know, criminal investigation against a team while coaching uh, 100-plus players on, on a college football field, it's pretty impressive stuff. So I, I am not on the comic court train. No. I, if you gave me another quarterback option, I would yeah. seriously consider it. He, point. 
he is frustrating because the talent is there. Yes. The arm is there. I think a little bit about what drives people nuts about Kyle McCord is he's always like real stoic. He doesn't show a lot of emotion. Um, I mean, what will drive me nuts is the interceptions. <laughs> um, he's thrown, Crazy. I think, four of those this year now. But, uh, you know, he he can be frustrating at times, and he's a slow starter. He's a slow starter. This past game, he started, I think he was like 12 for 12 starting, but they were all like little dink and dunk type um, throws. Um, but he's been finishing games well, the Notre Dame game, the Wisconsin game, you know, a bunch of the other games. But um, yeah, consistency is what I like to see for him. And who knows, you know, Ohio State could go into the transfer portal, bring somebody else in next year. They could, um, they have an elite quarterback recruit coming in next year. It's rare to see a true freshman start, but at the end of the day, the best stat is they're nine and oh, you know. He hasn't, knock on wood, hasn't cost them a game. Right. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but he, are they winning in spite of him kind of a thing? You have the best wide receiver, maybe player in college football on the outside. You have another great receiver in Abuka. You have a good tight end. You got a pretty solid running back, an okay offensive line. So Ohio State is winning weirdly this year because they're winning with the defense as their primary um, carrier of the team where it's usually flipped the defense of the last few years has been bad and the offense has been elite. So I don't know. They're, they're a really good team. Um, the rankings will come out tonight again. Last week, they were the number one team in the country uh, based on the uh, college football playoff poll. So we'll see what they reveal tonight. Um, but they will take on Michigan State this coming weekend. So you never take a team for granted or win for granted, but Michigan State is in a bad place right now as a program. They are coming off a win at Nebraska, but uh, not, a, not a great team. So um, here's what I think the, the playoff uh, committee will do tonight. This is just my opinion. I think Georgia with their win over Missouri probably will take over the number one spot, Ohio state. It really doesn't matter if you're two or three, because you know, it, uh, it you, there's no real home field advantage there. Uh, and four, I think Washington next to Ohio state has the best resume. Florida state's right there in the undefeated teams and Oregon's probably the best one loss team. So that's my opinion on, on how that will play out tonight. So we'll see on that just so. watch out after watching georgia play comparing that to ohio state's offense it's not even a comparison i i still think when when ohio state is on though they have and you hate, i hate to use the word potential i forgot this was sitting here mm -hmm. i'm gonna start getting after that um i for you know I, I you forget though ohio state has some of the best talented guys on their side of the ball it's just everything's not clicking quite yet mm -hmm. they're still averaging almost 33 points a game we've just been so spoiled with like 44 45 points a game that those 10 points make a difference however your defense is only giving up like 11 points a game so it's a big 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 difference so um real quick let's talk a little ysu they've got the win this past weekend indiana state has an awful record i think they're 0 and 8 now but 
they are a tough, scrappy team. Uh, YSU goes there, gets the 19-7 to win. YSU now on a three-game winning streak. This weekend, Youngstown State will host the number one team in the country, South Dakota State. They're the defending national champions. They come here to Youngstown. So I saw Joe posted it on a story. I shared it out. Um, make sure if you're able, get down to YSU and uh, support this team. They are um, a really hardworking team. Uh, their defense has a little bit of issues from time to time, the things they can clean up mostly in the secondary, but that offense is pretty solid, good running game, solid receivers, good quarterback, hard work in line. Uh, the defense is playing hard, getting after it. And we're going to have two of those players down here on Thursday. Uh, we're going to have Tyshawn King, the running back, and we will have Alex Howard, a linebacker who is uh, playing some great, both of them playing great football in the season. They're going to be here on Thursday. So um, we'll, South Dakota is tough. They are. They're one of those teams, though, like, you know, they they do everything well. You know, there there's no real flaw in them. They're not uh they they might not be the best passing team. They probably are the best running team. Um they they have a very good defense. They they do everything really well. So they they're just a team that's hard to find the flaws. Um so YSU will need I I don't I'm trying to think what that stadium holds 23,000. Um if we can get a sellout down there. That would be phenomenal. The 12th man, and super strong, exactly, loud. Exactly. So and if you're able to get down there, get down to uh, YSU this Saturday. We'll talk, obviously, more about that uh, this uh, coming Thursday. So uh, real quick notes on the basketball program. Um, we've already featured uh, Ziggy Reed, EJ Farmer, um, we've also had Jalen Bates and DJ Burns. They tipped off their season last night at Louisiana. Unfortunately, uh, 72 62 loss. However, um, they tip off the season. They place, they, you know, started pretty well. That's a, that's a tough place, uh, to go and travel against the, uh, raging Cajuns down there. Um, but their next game is against Michigan. Um, in Ann Arbor on November 10th, that is this coming Friday. So um, that's not too long of a drive, too. So drive up to Michigan, go watch uh, YSU take on uh, the Wolverines. Hopefully um, Michigan hasn't been scouting any of their signs. <laughs> hey, that was and, <laughs> um, and then YSU will return home uh, a week from yesterday, so Monday the 13th, um, to take on Ohio Christian uh, for their home opener. So that's a look at the men's team. The women's team um, will tip off their season tomorrow night uh, against the Xavier Musketeers, who are coming up uh, from the Cincinnati area tomorrow at 6.30. So uh, we've featured several of these players on our show. We've had Maddie in here. We've had Malia, Dina. Uh, we've had, who else have we had? We've had Emily Saunders and Paige Shy on our shows down here. So get out and support these uh these athletes, uh, they're working hard. And uh, the men, like I said, tipped off their season last night and will be home next Monday. Women tip off their season tomorrow at home. So uh, get out and support the Penguins uh, basketball teams. Uh, real quick check-in with the Cleveland Cavs. Um, you know, they're, they're overall doing a, you know, 
having an up and down season, but you know, they're going to get it together. I saw a lot of people like, Oh, this team is so frustrating after a one and three start, they're three and four. It's seven games in, let it breathe a little bit. You know, they're, you know, they've, they've had a couple struggles. They've also played most of their games without Darius Garland, without Jared Allen. So give it some time. They will figure it out and uh, they will get after it. So uh, switching now to to the Cleveland Guardians. As I mentioned earlier, it's election day. And uh, what better name than Stephen Vogt uh, to hire for your manager position? He is the 45th manager in franchise history. So welcome, Stephen Vogt. Looking at that picture, he he's only 38 years old. He looks like he's lived a, a rugged life, <laughs> you know, but... Um, as a catcher, that is not a, an easy position to play, but generally catchers make good managers because they're used to calling a game. They're used to uh, seeing the whole field and, you know, just kind of being that, that eyes and ears of the pitcher, but also the defense and, and figuring things out. So working the staff, stuff like that. So I uh, thought that was kind of cool. Joe, a NASCAR note. Yes. The, and, and you know, the Blaney's a I little do. bit. So, uh, thought this was kind of cool. Ryan Blaney wins the, uh, I believe, the NASCAR Cup Series is mm -hmm. what they call it. I'm not a NASCAR aficionado, but when you see a local guy that uh, wins a, a pretty prestigious title, I think that's that's worth sharing. So yeah, thoughts on him and what what thoughts on the Blaney family? Because I know it, you it's know it's really them. cool. Um, so Lou Blaney was the the racer that I started watching. He's just a legend on yeah. dirt. And then so Dave, which is son. Uh, he got involved in dirt, moved his way up to the ranks of World of Outlaws, got a job in NASCAR with Bill Davis Racing. Um, really, he the caliber of teams that he was a driver for for many years were sort of like on the lowest funded end of things. Yeah. So he was in races, but he struggled quite a bit. Sure. And so I think he he, he stayed in NASCAR long enough so that Ryan he would know enough people and be active enough so that Ryan could then once he hit a certain spot where he was legally allowed to be in it yeah. um, to be a, a racer. And so it was kind of cool to watch that dynamic of father son where Dave is a super smart race car driver mm -hmm. and to watch him like impart that wisdom on his son, really a cool thing to watch. That happen. is cool. That is cool. And it's, it's not something again, I know a whole lot about, but I, from what I do know, um, it's it's very very tough. They're not just driving uh, 400 miles in a left in a left turn. This yeah. is a lot of physical hard work, a lot of behind the scenes. And how many people are on a team? Would you say on a NASCAR team? You know, like changing out the wheels, the tires, you know, the gas crew, all that stuff. Yeah, I'd say about a dozen people mm -hmm. are up on that pit box. And you probably got spotters, right? Yeah. Yep. So. Spotters up top, mm -hmm. crew chief, the whole thing. It's a lot and they of... got a whole mechanic crew back in the garage that if something happens. So there's a lot of people active that day. So it's, it's again, it, it might not be for everybody, but even if you don't watch it, it's hard not to appreciate because the the level of science that goes into this, the level of scrutiny on the vehicle, on the driver, on the team, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, not just uh, the driver just going as fast as he can, you know, yeah. it's, it's insane. You so. know, the, the craziest thing is the amount of heat that those cars generate. Oh, I bet. It's like sitting in a sauna for four hours mm -hmm. driving like that. I mean, I like the sauna and everything yeah, right, and right. half hours, you know, uh, 
but to be able to breathe that hot air for that amount of time, mm-hmm. man, it would kill me. That's yeah. It's crazy stuff. And, um, my brother-in-law is, uh, he's pretty close with, uh, Martin Truex yeah. Jr. And, uh, he, you know, he's been down in, in the, the pit or whatever before. And, um, he, he would say like, it's insane to see some of these angles too of the road. You know, it's not just this flat surface. No, absolutely. It is an insane uh, angle. Like sometimes I think like 30, 45 degrees. Uh, well, maybe not 45, but maybe oh, like it's almost degree. there. Like is Bristol, it? it's like a bowl. Wow. Like you, when you walk up the side of it, you're walking and you're not making it straight up. Okay. Interesting. So like the, um, the middle part of the Youngstown Marathon race. Yes, the ones that we <laughs> like that. Didn't yeah, do, we didn't have to know. do that one. That was nice. A <laughs> um, couple other things I want to share real quick. Two more points. Um, 49ers defensive end Eric Armstead shared this on social media. He makes $393,055 a game. But the amount of money that comes out in taxes, 49.3% of his paycheck comes out in taxes. That is insanity now san francisco that's expensive to live california is a heavily taxed state as well but that's pretty crazy almost 50 percent of your salary coming out in uh to uncle sam one way or another i don't think anyone's feeling bad for him making about four hundred thousand a game but uh you know i think he'll be okay but the level of taxes is pretty um pretty insane there. And I just want to make one more push here to get out and vote. If you have time, if you, if you see this live or or whatever, but uh, let's talk to our representatives about ending standard time and keeping uh, daylight savings time. So um, I did a little research on this governor, Jared Paulus in California uh, signed the daylight saving time year round measure last year. He is now waiting on the U.S. House to pass the Sunshine Protection Act. In March 2020, the Senate passed the act, and it was supposed to make daylight saving time permanent starting this past spring. But the holdup is the bill failed to be taken up in the House. So why do you think that is? There's definitely somebody opposed to this. Why do you think they're I don't know. People are stupid. (laughs) What's the advantage? What like I really want to know what would be the advantage to not doing this? It's it's got to be because the Earth is flat, and at a certain time at night that you can tell, and then once you go to sleep, up the bell. <laughs> it, it just pisses me off. It, yeah. it really does. It, it's it's one of those like little things in life. It's like so unnecessary, so not needed. I don't even know why it was a thing. Was it like a war thing or a farming thing before? And like, why can't it just be? daylight savings time all year round. Why do we have to switch the clocks and do this whole body cycle thing and sleep cycle thing every six months? Because it kills 24% more people and depopulation's a thing. Maybe maybe that's what they're going for. So um, There was another one. I was reading um, an article because I read all the conspiracy theory literature mm -hmm. to make sure. But they were thinking about evening out the months so that they all had 30 days, either 30 or 31, or 30, 30 days, and then having 13 months rather than 12 to have an even amount of days, Monday would start the, what, what are you laughing about? This is, this is awesome. Like you wouldn't have to have leap years. You wouldn't have to have daylight savings times. Mondays would always start on the first and it would, it would just be amazing. So wait, I'm trying to do the math in my head. So 365 days in a year, 360, 
365 and a quarter days in a year. Well, you wouldn't have to do that stupid quarter thing So, anymore. but but Because my, my uncle was born on a leap year, and he's only like 19 years old. That sucks for him. <laughs> like, you had all your birthdays. What about him? Yeah, well, he can celebrate a March 4th, that old bastard. <laughs> um, I don't know, but... I hate that idea. I, 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 I am. I will say this. I am more in favor of a 13 month calendar with all the the days than I am with this daylight savings time. Shift let's do both. Stuff, let's, let's get time. rid of daylight savings time, have it the same time and have the same amount of days in every month so that Monday is always the first. There you go. So why? So then wouldn't it be a 28? Maybe it was. I, I don't remember the total number of days, but it, it ended up being 364 days spread over 13 months. But the way the earth goes around the sun, that would eventually throw off the seasons. Like it might, it might take years. Well, I know. I think it actually lines up with the astronomical. I think you're, I think you're talking bullshit right now. <laughs> We'll get into this would, Gregorian whatever calendar <laughs> later in a future show. You know, the Aztecs. <laughs> I I actually did listen to a podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson once. Yeah. And he explained like um, that, you know, there's a leap year. You know, we know there's a leap year every four years. But every like thousand years, they take away a leap year or it's every 400 years. They take a leap year away. So the it like lines up because it's like, we'll be like six minutes off here or there. So I don't know. Fix that. Crap. I know. We Come have on, the ability. get this shit together. Actually, so. Absolutely. That's all I got. You got any more? That's it. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> all right. Thursday, we will be back. Everybody have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this show on Youngstown Studio. This is original Youngstown content. Feel free to share our videos and tell your friends about us. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook. Thank you for your support.